This week, on Media Delta. Despite being released at the same time as some of Namco's other big hits like Pac-Man and Dig Dug, Nappy never quite had the recognition as those other titles. Only a small handful of pseudo-sequels, and some recent Japan-only mobile games are all the recognition that Nappy has gotten in the modern age, despite it being seen as a classic even at the time. During the last years of the internet phase, however, gave Mappy another chance to shine, as Namco had created an initiative called Shifty Look that aimed to create webcomics based on some of Namco's old and unsung franchises. Shifty Look was popular enough that two web cartoons were commissioned, with one of them being based on Mappy. Does this web cartoon serve to its source well, or does it only serve as another disappointment like Mappy's lack of popularity? Let's find out as we discuss. Mappy, the web cartoon. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Media Delta. Um, we have a really weird one today, um, because this is one that I don't know how many of these we're going to get. Uh, we're taking a look, we are, now that we've done this for a while, we are going to start taking a look at actual series. And I guess we are just going to go ahead and start off with um, a web series. Yeah, we're, we're taking a look at web cartoons. Um, so that's going to be interesting. because uh, It's official! It is official, but it's also a web cartoon. But yes, uh, we're taking a look at Mappy. Uh, and based on the 1983 arcade game uh, by Namco. And uh, yeah, uh, this came out uh, 20 years ago. 30 years after the fact, uh, in 2013. Um, so yeah, uh, with me to talk about this, I have... This carnival, I returned from the ashes. Hi, this is uh, Norman Rafferty. Um, I do stuff on the internet. Hi, I'm Torpid Typist, and every day's a journey here at Niamco. Yes. So, uh, the Mappy Web cartoon. Um, this was a thing that came al uh, along because of a kind of an initiative that Namco was doing. Uh, this is official, uh, even though this is definitely not done by people who work at Namco. Uh, it was part of Shifty Look, uh, which was mostly a series of web comics uh, back when those things existed. They had a whole bunch of web comics based on various Namco properties. Things like, say, uh, kind of more popular titles, like you got Dig Dug, Galaga, Klonoa, uh, um, and some of their other stuff, like, and also some of their classic stuff, uh, Dig Dug, Xevious, um, Sky Kid, Rolling Thunder. Uh, also, some of their more obscure stuff, like, say, Tower of Babel in Wagonland in Wonder Momo. Um, but yeah, um, it was relatively popular. They actually had, uh, the webcomic artists that they had working on this were actually pretty big names at the time. Uh, you had uh, Jerry and Mike of uh, Penny Arcade. Yeah, Scott Kurtz, aka the guy who does um, PvP, who also worked on this Mappy cartoon. Uh, you had Ryan North, uh, aka the guy who did Dinosaur Comics. Uh, let's see, uh, Dave Malky, uh, also Zach Weiner of uh, Saturday Morning Breakfast car uh, Cereal fame. Uh, also Andrew Hussey of You Know Home. You know. Yeah, uh, and that was for a very weird thing that kind of came out of this. Um, so yeah, because. Yeah. They did more than just the web comics. They did various like web shows too. Some of which, some of which had actual production value, unlike this one. Yeah, uh, there was two specifically. There was one that was based on a game we haven't ranked yet, although we will be ranking it shortly. Uh, called it was based on the web comic that they had for Bravo Man. Uh, the web comic was Bravo Man, 
super un uh, super unequaled uh, hero of excellence, where the show was called Bravo Man, cartoon of unequaled or unequaled excellence. Um, there's also this Mappy. Uh, apparently, this is kind of using the same animation style as the producers who worked on this. Uh, this was done by Scott Kurtz, and his name just kind of escaped me. It was and it uh, uh, Kiss Straub. Chris Straub, yeah. yes. Uh, so they were apparently had worked on a uh, another a web series called Blaminations, uh, which uses some uses this uses the same animation style as that. Um, it's kind of a weird thing. Um, so, uh, to talk about this, uh, we are going to continue using our questions format. So I have eight questions, uh, to ask each person and we'll be going off about a quarter and then reverse with the next question. So, uh, Carnival, what episode is one that you would like to talk about? But I'd like finale actually pulling together established cutaway gap throughout the in a way that shows that, oh, huh, th they were actually not just kind of winging it. Yeah, it was a really, like, really good uh, kind of finale thing, which uh, actually kind of differed a lot from the show's normal format. Uh, also, I'd like to point out uh, specifically at this point that um, each episode of this, uh, there were 13 episodes. Each one's about eight minutes long. So it's not a long series to go through. Uh, I think there is a, someone has a, vid a video on YouTube that is every episode put together and it's about two hours long. So it is not exactly a long series to go through which is nice. Um, so yeah, that uh, finale was pretty good. Uh, also is where they have a heavy cameo from Bravo Man in it. Was. It's a really stupid joke referring to the different crews working on that in the Bravo Man show. Yes. So yeah. Uh, That's where you were better animated and your voice is different. Yes. Because uh, yeah, I think, I don't know if they got the actual voice actor that did Bravo Man, but they got a voice actor that looks like he was literally phoning it in. Not in terms of like the quality of his acting, but literally sounded like he was using a telephone to record his stuff, uh, which was pretty good. Uh, so, Rafferty, how about you? Man, um, I think the only time I actually laughed out loud was the one bit where they mentioned that Dig Dug's not wearing a mask. He's actually solid blue the entire time. Which one was that? That's the one where they're outside the cop car? So that is the one where um, I'm trying to find the actual... Episode that is episode, um, that is episode four. Dig Dug and Mappy are friends, uh, where they uh, Dig Dug gets Mappy to take a vac or take a day off and go to a Wonder Mobile concert, uh, and their okay. car breaks breaks down, which that was also that was a very good episode. It was a pretty good. Um, I, I um, uh, to me the the writing I think seemed seemed pretty flat. Like I don't. I think they they it was a slow burn, which is what they were going for, uh, that kind of um, humor that you're expecting from C Lab 2020, which was a good choice given their obviously limited budget. So um, no, I, I I think you guys have it right where you say it's like a four point finale. You pretty much have to look at the whole thing. I think as all. Yeah, because I mean it's short enough that yeah, it's kind of good to just take it in all at once because it it was a very easy. So I think I watched we, uh, a lot of us watched it in one chunk, which was Just perfectly fine. Yeah. yeah, well, it's it still chimes in about two hours, so it's still like you know, it's about the yeah. So that was. I mean, I, I mean, I distinctly remember watching the episodes as they came out, and there was a decent length of time between them. So seeing it like this is actually pretty all right. Yeah. 
It's like kind of uh, if you play like an episodic game that doesn't come out all at once, uh, waiting till the, when it was all released before you played it versus watching, yeah. playing episode they at a time. do all maintain the same level of technical quality, which is good that it started off good. So it, it, do, it doesn't get jarring over time. Uh, I, I, think, I don't know if that's Chris Straub's doing because I know he's a professional animator and I'd seen his other animations before. So they're pretty consistent about that. So like I said, it really comes off more of a, of a movie. Uh, you'd be worried when something's episodic like this that they would suddenly like upgrade the software or try a new graphic style in the middle of it. And they're pretty consistent. So I really don't have a favorite episode. I think this works a lot better, I think, as one big chunk. To be fair, much like Shifty Look, it was not long-lived. Yeah. Uh, to point out, uh, Shifty Look was founded in 2011 and was shut down in 2014. So uh, like They I did have one big like, like they had one notable game to their name which were like fucking namco high namco high yes which was the which was where you could date a bunch of different characters but the problem was like a bunch of different namco characters problem was it was basically microtransaction hell because you had to pay for each route uh and that one was the one that specifically that andrew hussey worked yeah but you sure. could date galaga the ship from galaga yes also a lot of other characters as yeah. you mentioned already um so Torbo, what about you i so we covered the, like the big one, which is the four-part finale, which is very, very good. It does wrap it up nicely, and it calls back to the rest of the series because this show is episodic outside of that part. Yeah. Uh, but if we're just going episodes before that, the car episode was also very good. But I'll, I'll go with uh, the ninja episode. Yes. Just treating the plague of ninjas like a goddamn termite infestation or something. They're in the goddamn walls. They're everywhere. Yes, and there are many, or they're, are they trying to, they're protecting the ancient ninja treasure? No, they're trying to take back the ancient ninja treasure, which you learn a is a shotgun. Yes, um, that was a very good episode. Also, that is something that uh, I'll probably bring up later on, but uh, a very interesting callback to something, or a, a reference to something that, this game, this show is really weird about its references um you mean like the rolling thunder one that is very good yes um because yeah like the episode that i kind of liked from a cons uh, conceptual it's kind of two because they both kind of fit the same thing uh, and that is episodes eight and nine which are buried treasure in shadowland uh because the thing about them is that they are this show has kind of has a really weird kind of dichotomy in terms of its references in that, like, the characters in the show are pretty, like, you have Mappy and Goro, but you have just Dig Dug, who's just called Dig Dug. And you have, like, Sky Kid, who is just called Sky Kid. Uh, even though... Fuck, what's, what's the Rolling Thunder guy's name? Uh, they do call him Albatross. That is, that is yeah. they do call him... Also, when the Time Crisis guys show up, I believe they are referred to as their proper names. Uh, because, like, Dig Dug, uh, whose actual name is Taiza Hori... And uh, Sky Kid, the weird thing about Sky Kid, at least for me, is the fact that they have, specifically the player two of Sky Kid, whose name is Blue Max, compared to the player one character, who is Red Baron. But the thing is, is that Buried Treasure, or Treasure is a giant reference to a Japanese-only game called the Tower of Babel, uh, where they do, in fact, bring up the fact that the main character's name is, in fact, Indiana Borgnine. That is not a joke they made up for the thing. That is the character's name from the actual game. It's really good, because they even joke about it, trying, like, saying, trying to avoid copyright. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in Shadowland, which is just a giant reference to the game Shadowlands, which is a really weird game. Um, and, like, they even have a thing where he, refer he 
summons kind of this ghost friend and they have the kind of joke where it's like he like opens up his mouth and he comes from the mouth and they have the caption no we are not making this up this is actually something that happens in the arcade game which i thought was neat also the the joke is that the ghosts are just going around trying to get away from him because he just appears anywhere they are also he's very creepy he has a very interesting way of talking so yeah, that is um, that was the episode that I particularly, or the episodes that I particularly cared for. So, um, speaking of the characters, uh, how do you feel about the setting slash characters? I mean, look, I think they're pretty all right. I, I the th- the main characters are really what get it. Sky Kid is probably the most fun character personally, but the main characters are pretty all right. Yeah. Uh, also, yeah, Goro is apps is honestly really good. Yeah. Probably the best. Probably, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it would have worked as well if they didn't have that good chemistry going on between Mappy and Dig Dug for a lot of it. Like, if it was just um, a lot of... um, A lot of these webtoons that you see are usually you have some put-upon guy and he has a terrible boss that's basically modeled against Dilbert or whatever. And, um... Oh, interloper. Uh, And and that humor gets really old really fast. So I I think that because they had... um, yeah, I think the Mappy Dig Dug pairing was was inspired, and I think uh, it made the series watchable. So, so uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised by how they were able to sustain that. Okay, what about you, Carnival? Probably was saying about Dig Dug just being like, "Oh, hey, we've got someone who's just the main character's friend, friend, and not trying to start intentionally and got back them up." And also, majority of his coworkers that aren't go- at least are not deliberately awful. It doesn't go into the, like, people are bad. thought that was a... Yeah. Uh, also, yeah. Sky Kid is always well-meaning, even if he's kind of a mess. Yes. Always with a catchphrase that they show on screen with a logo. It's it's good. It's good. Sky Kid's great. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, the character... This is just the setting. Also, the workplace environment of Niamco is a good callback to Goro's Japanese name. Because that is what it is. Um, because U.S. people aren't going to get the Nya little bit. But yes, um, we've kind of brought it up a little bit before, but uh, how do you feel about the flow, I guess, of kind of the series and also just like episodes in general? If I were as they, the way that that last falling everything back together, I probably would have forgotten about it if I didn't just that was the individual. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I would definitely agree there because I, I kind of like I remember the golden age in the 2000s when suddenly everyone's convinced, oh, we have to make a web cartoon. We have to have something online. And the weird television spinoff of, like, Gary the Rat, which was a Kelsey Grammer thing that was a Flash animation turned into... And those really had pacing problems. Those were just... um, They seemed not... They weren't active enough to be a cartoon, and they had too much dead air to be um, funny like this. So uh, I, I think uh, I think this had a professional team that, or if they weren't, they were doing stuff before this, right? Like Chris Straub was doing animations before this, I'm right? Pretty sure he was. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it it comes in and they look like they're here to do business. They know what they're about, and it's very smooth. I think it, it even I think works even better than um, than like I would keep pointing out C Lab twenty twenty one, which you know I thought. You don't get an anti-humor. That's the word I'm looking for. There's no anti-humor vibe from this strip. The whole or the whole the whole thing is played straight and sincere. And you guys are picking up on a lot more Namco jokes than I did. I thought I knew Namco. So um 
uh, it, it's a lot more enjoyable, I think, because it has that sort of like honest sincerity and love about it. So um, yeah, um, that you were asking about flow, right? Yeah, and that definitely yeah. answered it. So <clears throat> speaking of flow, like a thing I could never tell about this show is if they're ad libbing or if it's actually written ahead, because there's that. It definitely seems to be coming more from that ad lib place, at least from the way they talk and act. But that's perfectly fine because the chemistry between the cast is really good, and you can tell. And that helps move things pretty well. Yeah, it, def- uh, it definitely, I feel, helped out with that. Oh, yeah. I, I sh- you just reminded me. Yeah, home movies is the kind of vibe I was looking for. Does anyone remember that? Yeah, I could, yes. I, I could, I yep. could definitely see a home movies vibe from this. Yeah, because yep, yep, yep. they, they might have done multiple takes. And they might have taken this best one. We, well, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, uh, I've listened to their podcasts, and their podcasts are pretty polished like this too. They, they just might be this good. Maybe could be, but yeah. So. Either way, I, I do think it flows pretty well, especially like once again, the four part is where it really comes together uh, as opposed to the episodic stuff, which kind of is a bit more all over the place. Because like, especially the earlier episodes tend to be better than they'll become. Like they just felt like they got a better feel for it. Uh, that said, as someone who watched this as it came out, let me tell you the wait between episodes was fucking excruciating. I could definitely see that. Um, Yeah, it's, I felt it flowed pretty good. Uh, Didn't have any like, each episode kind of lasted as long as it needed to. And like, it's kind of weird with the fact that uh, for the most part, a lot of the episodes don't do a whole lot of callbacks to the other ones. Although when they get on later on, they do kind of do a few callbacks, but uh, yeah, it, I felt like it flowed pretty well. Um, and that definitely worked. Um, so this is going to be kind of interesting because there really isn't a whole lot of uh, casting or actually wait, that's never mind. Uh, so, uh, how about, okay, I, I just realized an issue with my questions, uh, and that I deleted some of the wrong things. Anyway, uh, so how do you feel about the fact that really there's like two voice actors in this entire thing? Technically three. Yep. Uh, do you feel like that actually worked? Honestly, yeah. Uh, I mean, they, <clears throat> they, there didn't need to be, uh, the main characters, you know, were perfectly fine. And they actually had a surprising amount of range given what they were working with. Uh, also, they made heavy use of, of various effects on the voices for certain characters that helped hide it as well. Yeah, that definitely helps. And once again, it helped that the two people had very good chemistry. Yes, because uh, specifically the two that... Um, uh, so these... Uh, Chris Trobe and uh, Scott Kurtz uh, did work together previously. Uh, they worked on PvP, the animated series. So... That also probably helped having that previous chemistry. It, it, once again, I'm I'm just really reminded of like the Borchard and Small type stuff, like uh, Metalocalypse and um, Home Movies. Uh, because after a while, like I think the the fact that they they're doing a good job, like you said, they're professionals. They've done this before. The voices are different enough, so you can kind of get that they're different. Uh, but it's similar enough that it kind of does feel like two people just telling you some kind of goofy story. And since it is a goofy story, I think it works okay. It's got that sort of bowling. Yeah. Okay, they don't, it's two people. All they really needed, they never get, does what it- mm. Yeah, it's like, it It has kind of a, um, kind of, uh, it kind of goes on to the next question uh, that I was going to ask, um, which is, uh, how do you feel about the, uh, fact that the writer's origins kind of started in web comics because that's kind of the vibe that i got from a lot of this is the fact that it did feel like it was from 
previous people or people who had worked on ref- web comics. Better for- yeah, because I, I felt like this is very much a web comic brought to life. Yeah, I, I can see a lot of Scott Kurtz's type humor in it, and if I had to guess. Um, this is a lot better than what I expected from Scott Curtis's writing, because I don't know if you guys read Beyond. I have not. Not in probably uh, since it was originally, came, it originally came out. I was going to say until it was heyday, but I found out that apparently it is still being updated. Still going. Uh, still going strong. Uh, it, it had a tendency to, uh, web comics have a tendency to be extremely wordy. Like, they'll just, like, say way too much. And um, I guess because they have a rapid fire delivery and because this is uh, like an illustrated radio type animation, plus the fact that they have editing and I think uh, Chris Straub's influence because Chris Straub also likes to do a lot of talking. Really, this did work a lot better. I had a feeling like if they tried to do this as a comic and did it using the worst of of web vices, this would just have way too many words and, and would just be like copy and pasted like a sprite comic where it's just like a wall of text so the fact that it's uh, animated and portrayed, uh, you know, with visual interest, I think, adds a lot to it. So it goes by a lot faster. Um, so I, 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 the weird thing, I guess I'd sum this up by saying, even though they're webcomic writers, this is not written like a web. All right. Um, honestly, I feel nothing. It, it d- doesn't really help or bug me in any way. It's just that's what they did. I can definitely see it in their styling, but overall, it, it yeah. Yeah, it's it's just something I noticed. I'm like, yeah, this kind of at least to me felt a little webcomic-y, but uh, yeah, it did definitely hold its own. So it's not like it's just a webcomic in motion, but yeah, it was just something I noticed. Uh, also, uh, just a kind of a fun question: uh, What other Namco property do you think uh, should have had representation in the show? Because they definitely had a lot of representation of various Namco things, but there was a few things that I noticed that didn't get mentioned. Like, the one thing that I felt was surprising that did not get mentioned at all, there is zero mention of Pac-Man, which I Fuck felt which I felt must have been hard for Namco. Um, but yeah. I, I mean, needed more Galaga, personally. Just saying. Uh, I was kind of getting... That's why I kept comparing this to C-Lab 2021, which was a show that where they took a Hanna-Barbera property that no one had ever heard of uh, and brought that back, and they had references to some other, like, rare cartoons, like the Bay City Rollers cartoon and that sort of thing on the show. They were allowed to use only like the D-listers of D-listing, like not even stuff that showed up in Harvey Birdman. And I'm guessing they kind of had some sort of mandate that they weren't allowed to use Pac-Man since Pac-Man is still a money draw. So um, I would say I don't think this show suffers because I think uh, if it had bigger properties like pac-man and doesn't bandai own namco isn't it bandai yeah namco? it's bandai namco and i think yeah, it was Namco. i think it was bandai namco at the point right but but even then um uh i mean you guys are obviously enjoying the references a lot i i think because it's these weird offbeat obscure characters rather than pac-man who has way too much baggage and would weigh would overwhelm this whole show so I think they had a pretty good mix. I think picking the obscure characters we never heard of because you you obviously enjoyed the references and I enjoyed the characterization. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Real quick. I I feel like... Because Shifty Wick was was supposed to be like a revival type thing anyway, so having Pac-Man who was still in use and doing all shit would have been largely pointless. But also I feel like that gave him a lot more creative freedom to work with things. Uh, 
as well as I kind of find it more interesting doing the deep cuts rather than the big names. Yeah, because it, it reminds me of a thing that Nintendo did, a game that they created uh, made for the Wii called Captain Rainbow uh, that did kind of a similar thing that this did, actually, uh, where they took a lot of their lesser-known uh, Nintendo characters. I mean, I would say in Japan because, like, Little Mac was in that, but, like, things like Little Mac, uh, Crazy Tracy from Link's Awakening, the uh, Advance Wars troopers, and uh, Birdo, that... I'm just remembering Birdo's appearance and that, and that maybe might be a little problematic, but anyway. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I was just more interesting kind of like thinking of what other, uh, deep cuts they could have done. Uh, but like, uh, things like maybe like Mr. Driller or say point blank. So Carnival, you got any input? I was going to say, yeah, like didn't, I was anything like don't, Bamco owned the Tales franchise. So they, uh, they do, yes. So I was surprised I didn't see like any of the like really early Tales stuff like just get a nod. The thing about that is I wonder if since uh, Tales Studio is a different studio outside of their kind of main thing, that maybe there's a weird they own it, but not in the way that they own like say Nam or uh, like Dig Dug or Sky Kid. Also, the focus was largely older arcade properties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna drop the webcomic thing, it's like that would be JRPG type stuff with JRPG type tropes. Whereas this was easily like Americans having fun with their favorite Namco stuff. Yeah, but like their their '80s stuff. This is all a lot of fuddy duddy stuff. Yeah, I think the I think the newest thing they reference is Ninja Assault, which was the uh, Ninja Assault, which I. I know it's PS2 era, but I know in like Time Crisis, which they use Time Crisis 2, which was also definitely like very early PS2 era. But yes, um, I, I would um, strongly suggest uh, I, I I really think they just got a list. That could also. Yeah. So uh, speaking of these games, uh, how do you feel that the, the show used elements? Needed to getting like, hey, remember this? Get this reference without doing the Ready Player One kind of thing. I get fine. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one that I specifically, like, the most into the game they actually get, uh, is the episode that's based kind of on the Katamari Damacy thing, because the prince is the janitor of Niamco. Uh, they, they use some of the elements of the games really good in that episode. Right, and I think this Katamari is a game that, like, in general, unless you can get away with abstract joke, abstract person say, uh, Mappy's a cop, cop joke. There is more humor to be had with Katamari's weird physics vengeance. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's funny that he shot the painting like one of the pickups from the arcade game. Also, it's like, oh, how are we going to get into this thing? Oh, of course Mappy has a trampoline. Yeah. Something like that. Um, I was trying to think of there was a, another one. Uh, the, the one that... I'll, I'll go into it when I get it, my turn. Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought... I mean, the reason why I keep comparing it to Harvey Birdman is because Harvey Birdman also had a lot of details of characters that you'd never heard of. Uh, but uh, they invoked like you know those characterizations well enough that even when they were doing a deep pull, um, it, it's that chicken fat school of humor where they just didn't wait, they didn't milk it. Uh, you know, uh, like Carnival said, uh, they they would just present it and then move on. They were confident enough in their humor to move through it, and I and that makes this like 
like I said, I was pleasantly surprised by how watchable. So if they needed more references, my issue is um, I think there were the right number of references. I think if this was too referencing, if this gotten too much into Ready Player One of, hey, you get it, then I would have been annoyed. I think that this really goes that middle line. All right. Uh, so I'm going to be real. It barely used elements unless they were for a joke or pointing out how fucking weird the elements were. And I thought that was perfectly fine. It's all it really needed given the whole premise and what it was doing. But yeah, it definitely played a bit fast and loose with that stuff. Which is personally. Yeah. Which I could definitely see that being kind of a kind of a benefit. Yeah. Cause you don't need yeah. it's, you don't need to do like we've the game, uh, the shows that we've seen so far rather, um, used them a little bit too like willy nilly and bit was a bit too much like the game, but I feel like this actually had a lot more nuanced take on it. It really benefited from it. The thing that I was thinking of is that I kind of just thought of it. Um, but I'm kind of surprised that, uh, dig Doug had very little use of his pump. He's actually more using his drill, which yeah, the pump led to jokes that are, that's why I guess why it, yeah, that was just something I noticed. Also, that in itself is kind of a deeper uh, cut because he only had that in, like, Dig Dug 2. And you can also see it as a kind of nod to Mr. Driller, I guess. Um, so I think this this question that we've used for other things is going to be, it, it's a little bit more straightforward in this one. Uh, do you feel like this is more of a compliment or supplement to the games, or, and I guess games in question? Uh. I, I, I don't actually about any of that. It, it kind of just strikes off on its own and does its own thing. And I can appreciate for what it is and what it does, but like as an actual compliment to the games, at least in my opinion. Yeah. I, I would also like, none of this makes me want to go out and play the game. And uh, I mean, I think sky kid is emblematic of that where for years people argued whether sky kid was a bird or a person. So the fact that, you know, he's rendered as a bird person, you know, as clearly as a bird in this show, it's like, yeah, but it, you couldn't tell in Sky Kid, and it's nothing to do with anything. You're dropping bombs on stuff. Yeah. Um, so, um, I mean, I thought it was kind of funny, and it was kind of cute that that they did this, but this is not uh, commercial any more than, say, the Pac-Man Saturday morning AM cartoon show was. Not, not for the games that's written around how these video games... Well, it does feel like it's trying to draw attention to them, but it's not telling you anything I, about them. I feel like it kind of has the same thing... Uh, because I, I, I do feel that uh, it is something that you don't lose 100% of it, but you do lose a little bit of it if you are not as familiar with some of these games. Uh, it's kind of like the thing um, like Wreck-It Ralph, where they'll make a joke based on a particular character, which if you're not familiar with it, it it's okay. But it's like you do, do, do get a little bit extra if you get the reference to it. Like... Um, just seeing the weird, like the thing that I think of in terms of Wreck-It Ralph, like in the bad guy uh, therapy session scene. Um, Zangief. Well, it's also Zangief. That's also funny, but also because you, you watch that and it's like, oh, huh, that's that weird. There's a like if you're not super familiar with games, it's like, oh, there's a weird Rhino guy. I guess just a random video game character. But if you're familiar with Altered Beast, it's like, holy shit, why is that guy from Altered Beast in this scene? Yeah, this this didn't annoy me as much as Wreck-It Ralph did. You you brought up the evil villains, and the fact that Zangief's there annoys the hell out of me because he's not a bad guy. Yeah, but that's the whole thing of that's how. Okay, yeah, I, so that's what you were getting at. Yeah, no, obviously these guys are are turbo nerds and knew the properties back to front. I yeah, mean, you're. Uh, there's a lot more Namco lore than I would 
even. Yes. So yeah, after that, uh, I think we are good to actually rank this now. So uh, we rank things here based on a one scale, with one being what we call absolute mastercraft, which means that there is pretty much no way that this could be, like it is basically the top of the top. Uh, very little can be done to improve it. Uh, and 21 is uh, complete garbage. Uh, that is not even fun to watch as like a goof, uh, kind of based on the kind of a rainbow scale. So um, let's go in alphabetic order. What what number would you give it, uh, Storm Chronicles? Okay. So that is uh, in the violet slash indigo, low violet slash or high indigo. Oh, um, I would, uh, yeah, I would say you can rank, uh, I'm not going to be as generous as you guys are. I would probably rank this at around a nine. Uh, I think it's very watchable, but there's one thing that I haven't brought up yet that bugs the hell out of me, and that is there is no lip sync. I could, yes, I could definitely see that. Wait, that that, that, that really bad. bothered me. I know they they tr they made the characters very animated and they bounce, which is not something you like in a show like Harvey Birdman or Sea Lab Twenty Twenty One. They would be very static, and the only thing moving is the mouth. They went the opposite, where the characters bob up and down, but there is no lip sync, and that really bothers me, especially after seeing like Nerdist and Dorkly and a bunch of other sprite comic cartoons that had lip sync. So obviously, it was possible. They just made an aesthetic decision. And it, it really just bothered me the whole time I was watching this. So, um, really that's me. I did yeah, it doesn't bug me in the slightest, personally. Yeah. I think they did a really good job of working to cover it up, but it really bugs me. Yeah. That, I, I, well, now that I think, think about it, I definitely can see that. But, um, yeah, it, it's, I, it's the sort of thing that doesn't bug me in the slightest, and it didn't even register that would is an issue yeah. personally. But, uh, that's a, there's one thing I want to say real quick. Which is at the very, very end, there was a joke that caught, I know, me and Lolo and Carnival incredibly off guard. And it was yes, very good. It, it was very it was good, good, but good. but that is that is something that I, I nor normally we kind of, right, I'm not super big on spoilers, but I feel like that is something that we should not spoil. Exactly. That's what I'm just saying is it was a really, really good joke. But uh, uh, personally, I'd say like five personal yeah because j just but uh judging from so carnival saying like two three uh no, or three four three four, four and then rafferty going nine you going five six i mean that i think that by averaging ours it's or averaging it's around six which is kind of what i get it like i can definitely see uh if this is not your style of humor i can definitely see you being put off by this uh, yeah, you I, could throw my vote out. I mean, I'm an outlier, I know. Oh, no, it, no, I, no it's still valid. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, like, if you didn't, if it is something, I'm like, if it is something that you, like, if it is something that, because I, I doubt you would be the only one that'd be. And I'm also kind of generous. I'm the nice judge. So. Uh, and also, if I look at, like, if we're taking a look at reviews for, like, from other sources, like I'm looking at IMDb right now, uh, it has a 6 out of 10, which is right roughly in the area that we are kind of looking to average um based at least if you take imdb to be what um i was pleasantly surprised yeah i definitely think that it is i i think that i would definitely put it um like seven lowest um but i think that from what they have to work with i do feel like it came out really good um yeah, I, they brought their a games oh well what let, they have to work with which is the change found on the couch Oh, and I realized we forgot to mention some of the animators that worked on this are the later alligator animators. So. Oh, oh, huh. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, that that is uh, 
Yeah, because it's uh look and looking I did look at their IMDb um of two of the people who are the that are noted as animators. Uh they have worked on things it seems like Word Girl is the thing that they both have in common that they worked a really a lot on. Uh oh, huh. but uh they are both credited as working on Adventure Time. Uh it seems like it's only a couple episodes, but in the only sequences, but uh yeah, they are they do have they have worked on like bigger stuff. Um, yeah, this had this has serious cred. Yeah, and okay. Chris Straub. Uh, I mean, I mentioned this off the air. Chris Straub, who would do this, also was the one of the uh, production behind Candle Cove, which was a copy paste television show. So he's got TV credits. Huh. Yeah, because I wonder if I take a look. Oh, it's okay. That doesn't list. I wonder does. Let's see. Is oh okay. Never mind. I was going to try and see if I can quick find the uh, credits for later alligator, but uh, that is proving to be harder than I thought. Anyway, so let's well, credit it under the small boo studios who the Bateras who worked on this are part of, or at least I believe they are. Maybe I'll look it up. Okay. Um, well, going over here, um, going over to our list, uh, we do have something already in six, which I mean, it's fine if we have something in there, uh, but we have the Mortal Kombat movie in there. Uh, mm, this is better than the Mortal Kombat. Which I could... I could definitely see putting it at the same level as the Mortal Kombat movie because it's the same kind of thing that I felt like with the Mortal Kombat movie, actually, where it's um this could have the Mortal Kombat movie could have been a lot worse, but it wasn't. And it's OK, right, right. I forget. Everything's in a scale. Definitely. It's in. The, yeah. Um, would map be I mean, yeah, I mean, that's just like either way. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I do feel that six. Is, OK, so six. Mappy. Uh, this episode. 2013? Ha ha! Is it Scott? Oh, crap. I forgot which one's the actual. I'll just put Scott Kirby. He is the director that is listed. Oh. Uh, it is Webb. Uh, also, I com. Uh, tone. Uh, this is very whimsical. Okay, so is there... And there's nothing really content-wise that we'd have to note. Okay. No. So is there anything we want to call out for music, charm... Uh, cinematography, theatrics, action, or art? I'd say thumbs up for charm, at least. Yeah, I feel like that's definitely a case. I I do think that the art style does a good job of playing to the strengths. Like I said, I'm the only one who's bothered by the lip sync, but I think they design... The fact that the characters have so many emotive states uh, makes it... If they were just bouncing up and down like paper, this unwatchable. So either art or charm. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like... Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Because they're they're simple in relative design, but they're like it's a really good simple. Um, is there anything we want to call out for yay or nay? Love that you can definitely get behind because some of the jokes behind that are definitely you need to you need to know your things. Uh, and that's her. Okay, anything else? Not really. Okay, then I I think that is good for Mappy. Uh, so um, before we head out to our next episode, uh, is there anything you want to plug starting with Carnival? Uh, I'm going to have you repeat that because I think you cut out a little bit. You can follow me at... Uh, well, uh, Norman Rafferty, when I'm, I'm not commenting on podcasts, I'm working on Sanguine Games. So we'll have uh, check us in for a sale this week. Our cartoon properties should be on sale. We make tabletop role-playing games like Madcap. So check in for that uh, if you like cartoon characters. Uh, fucking at Torpidtypist on Twitter and torp- twitch.tv slash Torpidtypist. And also I'd like to plug these holes in my company that's too big to fail. Yes. All right. So uh, with that, uh, that is going to do it for Mappy. Uh, So our next episode is um, something that 
actually probably this is one of the properties that actually made me think of wanting to do this thing uh because yes. a long while ago we took a look at uh a game based on mobile police pat labor for the famicom disc system and we were oh, playing it as like boy this game really did not do the thing justice so we will see exactly how good mobile police pat labor at least the ova series which is dubbed the pat labor the early days uh has hold up till this day um, so, uh, tune in for that one, and thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Media Delta. If you would like to view the entire list of rankings for yourself, you can go to r3.ldp.life to see the residence and essence list that Media Delta covers, as well as the other lists that are covered by our sister show, RetroRank Rhapsody. If you would like to watch RetroRank Rhapsody, you can watch it live on Fridays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Saturdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on Twitch at twitch.tv slash loadofpuzzlo. Or you can view any of the episodes anytime at youtube.ldp.life. If you would like to help with hosting costs, you can go to patreon.ldp.life and help out with a $2 or $5 pledge. If you would like to discuss this episode in any other episode of our community, you can join our Discord server at discord.ldp.life. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can follow it at Hazeltown Story, or you can follow me, your host, at Lolo DePuzzlo. Thank you for listening, and I hope you come back for a round for the next episode. <laughs>